coming up. We really need to take this to heart. In fact, if you know you got a little beef with another believer, you ought to be like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to get us back on the same page? Yeah. Because Jesus, the one we serve, prayed that his followers would be one. That's how much it meant to him. Hello, and thank you for joining us on One by One, the podcast ministry of Pastor Robert Scott of Quench Life Christian Fellowship. Did you know the devil only has three weapons he uses against us? But don't be fooled. He may only have three weapons, but he has plenty of tricks. Join us for the message series, Propositions from the Devil, where Pastor Robert and his wife Carolyn carefully walk through many of the traps from our very real enemy and the tools we possess to be victorious against him. Here's the sixth message in the series, Another Money Trap. Part one. Last week, the topic was a money trap. So we're talking about another one now. So I just put another in there with the A. (laughs) So we're just gonna talk about another money trap as a proposition from the devil. As we look at the early church, um, we see God's power at work. And when God is working through his people, we best believe that the devil is working too. Mm-hmm. Last week, uh, we saw a proposition that the devil made through Simon the sorcerer, and that he made an offer to God's people, um, his apostles, to buy the power of God. He thought he could give some, some material money for an immaterial ability. Yeah. Y'all hear what I just said? Mm-hmm. He thought he can exchange material for the immaterial. Mm-hmm. And he was so gravely wrong. And he was rebuked strongly by Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter had some harsh words for him. And um, and so, um, and, and by the way, you should know, this dude named Simon, he, he, he now has become a uh, example of a word in our language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I didn't mention this last week, but I'm going to mention it today. There's a word called simony, <laughs> and it's spelled Simon with a Y on the end. <laughs> it's called simony. Mm-hmm. And simony means making the it means the making of of a profit out of sacred things or the sin of buying or selling ecclesiastical preferments benefices or etc so because of simon we have the word in our english language simony <laughs> and we don't want to be guilty of simony trying to buy the things of God. And that is a a grave mistake that we can make, Mm -hmm. thinking our money can gain us spiritual things. Mm 
And he, uh, the devil created this money trap for Simon the sorcerer, and he fell right into it. And today we're going to look at um, another instance. Uh, when Peter rebuked Simon, it was clear that Simon wasn't really a believer. But today we're going to look at how the devil influenced and made a proposition mm -hmm. through someone who was a believer. And so we're going to look at that. And he's then the devil set another trap, another money trap. Mm -hmm. And this was someone who's apparently, as I said, a believer. And they were in the, and it happened in the context of the powerful life of the early church, just like what happened with Simon was the early church. So on your outline, uh, write this down. Some truths about powerful groups of believers. Some truths about powerful groups of believers. Um, you can call it a church. You can call it a congregation. You can even maybe call it a small group. <laughs> um, but these are some characteristics that a powerful group of believers have. Mm -hmm. The first I want to talk about is they are united in heart and mind. A powerful group of believers are united in heart and mind. Their desires and their values are aligned. They, they think the same way. They don't necessarily think the same things, mm -hmm. but they think the same way. The mode of their thinking is the same. Now, for instance, you think like, okay, you have different preferences, but at the end of the day, what, what's your thoughts? Well, what's your first priority? Well, to glorify God. You know, I, everything I do is glorify God. So you, we we have a mode of thinking that's the same. Mm -hmm. We're not robots and clones, but we have a mode, style, a way, a perspective, a biblical worldview, mm -hmm. thinking the same way. Yeah. The Bible being the source of our living, of our instruction. Mm -hmm. Powerful group of believers. Yeah. Look what it says here in Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that they, but that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Can you imagine that? <laughs> With any group you belong to? I know. I was just thinking, you know, yeah, we have issues these days. Yeah, they said, they said, you know, nobody said this is mine. They, nobody said that. Yeah. They was like, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine. Sometimes people claim seats in the church now. Yeah. Say, that's my seat. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So we live in a society, say, that says what's mine is mine and what's yours is mine. <laughs> That's not what they said. Yeah. Now, I, I want to be clear, though, understand that this truth about these, the early church, 
this was a description of what they did. This is descriptive. It's not prescriptive. In other words, the Bible is not telling us that all believers should do what they did. That's not what it's saying. It's just telling us what happened. In fact, the books, the book of Acts is primarily a historical book. It's just giving you the history of what happened with the early church. Mm -hmm. There is some doctrine in it, but the thing that it is for the most part is a historical book of what happened with the early church. So this incident here where they shared everything was descriptive, not prescriptive. Mm -hmm. All right. right. Mm -hmm. So God is not requiring all believers to share all their stuff or all of our stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is the way that they exhibited unity. And it was their choice to do it. It wasn't a mandate. It was through their relationships and what was happening as we're going to see as we read through the text that they chose to have all things common. That was how they express their unity in heart and mind. But unity in heart and mind can be expressed in different kinds of ways, but in either case, it ought to be expressed. Yeah. And so look what the scripture says here in John 17, 11. And this is Jesus in his high priestly prayer where he was praying to God. It says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. Them as those as his followers, particularly his disciples. Protect them by the power of your name the name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. Notice here that Jesus prayed to the father that his followers would be one. Mm -hmm. It was his prayer. Yeah. It was his sincere request of father God that his followers would be one. We really need to take this to heart. In fact, if you know you got a little beef with another believer, you ought to be like, okay, what can I do? What can I do to get us back on the same page? Yeah. Because Jesus, the one we serve, prayed that his followers would be one. Mm -hmm. That's how much it meant to him. It wasn't a suggestion. It was something he desired from the bottom of his heart and soul to be one, Mm -hmm. for his followers to be one. And so a powerful group of believers, they they have unity in heart and mind. The second thing that they have is they have leaders who speak powerfully about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They have leaders who speak powerfully about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is so important because there are some religions today that belittle Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. They say that he is, he was just a man. Mm -hmm. He was a good prophet. He was a good person. Mm -hmm. Not that he was the Lord and the savior. Yeah. Look what it says in Acts 44, 33. 
it says, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. They talked about the fact that he, the grave and the tomb is empty. They continue to talk about it. Mm -hmm. they, they, they were saying, yeah, he died, he was buried, and he got up. That's the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And this is what the leaders of this group of believers continue to testify about. Amen. The resurrection, the resurrected Lord Jesus. And it, this is one reason I, and if you ain't noticed already, I really make it a point to talk a lot about Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so this is a quality of a powerful group of believers that you got to put the gospel of Jesus yeah. Christ in the forefront. That's right. That's right. In the forefront. It's the thing that allows us to have relationship with the father. And it's the thing that allows us um, to be with the father forever, for all eternity through the gospel. Mm -hmm. The fact that we admit that we sinned against God, we believe Jesus died and was buried and got up. That's right. And we commit our lives to him, give him control of everything, turn from our wicked ways, repent. That's how we come in relationship with, with God. And a powerful group of believers talk about the gospel a lot. Yes, yes. The third thing that they do is they make sacrifices to meet each other's needs. They make sacrifices to meet each other's needs. Acts 4, 33 through 35 says, um, with great power, and it reads on, with great power, the apostles continue to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there that, that there were no needy persons among them. Mm -hmm. Let's stop right there. It was the work and power of God at work in this group of believers to the extent that nobody in the group had any needs. Mm -hmm. Again, I said needs, not wants. I yeah. said needs. Right. All the needs were met from the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, the government didn't do it. Y'all tracking here? It, yeah. it, the government didn't meet their need. It, 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 it was the group that met their need. Mm -hmm. They cared about each other so deeply. And the power of God was at work in the group. That their needs were met. Just imagine that kind of group of believers. That's a strong group. The text goes on and reads and tells us why and how they were able to meet the needs. It says, for from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone 
who had need. Y'all see that? Wow, that's wonderful. They sold their property and their land, put it into the treasury, and from the treasury, anybody who had need, their need got met. Wow. What beautiful place the world would be in now. We did yes, that, huh? yes. <laughs> and again, I want to remind you, this is not prescriptive, it's descriptive. It's not saying that all believers should sell their houses and their land, put it into one, one treasury, and we and we mm-hmm. we make the needs of all believers that it's not what it's saying. It's saying this is what they did. Mm-hmm. And they did it as a show of their unity. It was a reflection of their care and love for each other. Mm-hmm. And understand the church was launching. The, the, it was the beginning of it. It was the early church. The church was launching and God was just doing miraculous things because he was putting Christianity on the map. Mm-hmm. He was making a dent in the world. And these people were on board, these believers. They was like, we got to take care of each other. Yeah. They lived out a lot of passages that we read. For instance, like Philippians 2, 3, and 5. It says, do do nothing out of selfish ambition. None of them were selfish. They was like, oh, we're going to care for each other. Mm -hmm. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Hey, they sold their house. They sold their land because of everybody else. They want to make sure they were contributing to the welfare of all the believers. This is how they live this passage out. And then verse four says, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And so they were living out um, the mindset of Christ Jesus so that they can take care of each other and look to the interests of others. Again, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. But we there's something that we can take from this as a lesson learned and how, how are you demonstrating your commitment, your concern and care for other believers? Mm-hmm. There's another passage. I didn't put it here. I just remembered I intended to, but I forgot um, where it tells us that to do good unto all men, but especially unto those of the house of faith. Yeah. And they were really doing a special things for those who are part of the house of faith. Mm-hmm. Look at what John 13, 34 and 35 says. And this is Jesus speaking. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Their love for Jesus and their love for one another was made known by their sacrifices. Mm -hmm. Selling their land and property. How is your love for Jesus and your love for other believers being made known? We should be making, it should be make, we should be demonstrating our love for Jesus 
and our love for one another in some kind of way. Mm -hmm. And this is telling us, this will tell the world and show the world that we are Jesus's disciples. And maybe we don't show it because we don't necessarily want people to know Jesus is that we're Jesus' disciple. Mm -hmm. Are we, you know, undercover Christians? Mm -hmm. Or do we really want the world to know that we follow Jesus Christ? And Jesus says the way that you do that is to love other folks who follow Jesus Christ. That's good. So we got to be like Jesus in this case. Mm -hmm. But our enemy, though, he doesn't want to see believers acting the way Jesus did. Yeah. He doesn't want to see believers loving each other the way Jesus had loved them. And so he does things to disturb that. He does things to have us not make sacrifices for each other, not to forgive each other, not to show love for each other. And we got to be aware of that and not fall for his tricks and traps. Mm -hmm. So we, we've talked about uh, some uh, truths about powerful groups of believers have. We said they have their united heart and mind. Um, they have leaders who speak powerfully about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And they would and they. They make sacrifices to meet each other's needs. Yeah. And the fourth thing is they will be attacked mm. by the devil, mm. sometimes through money traps. Yeah. They'll be attacked sometimes through money traps. Mm -hmm. As we said earlier, is that things aren't always good. That's going to be tough times. So the devil is busy. And when the God is at work, the devil wants to thwart what God is doing. Mm -hmm. And one of the things he will do, he will set some money traps. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was just going to say, Miss Reader add, added that the, the song says, I just need a little more Jesus. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank amen. You. Amen. Yeah. And so look what it says here in Acts 5, 1 through 3. It's particularly after we already read how they sold their houses and their land mm -hmm. and to meet everybody's need. It says here, Acts 5, 1 through 3, there was a man named Ananias. Mm -hmm. His wife's name was Sapphira. And Ananias sold some land he had, but he gave only part of the money to the apostles. He secretly kept some of the money for himself. His wife knew this and she agreed with it. All right, let's stop now. Stop the presses. We already read how everybody was, you know, how people were selling their land and their houses and giving it to the treasury, yeah. giving all of it from the sale to the treasury so that the believers in the group needs will be met. Hmm. We already read how they was in one heart and one mind. So I'm sure you can see something's wrong right now. 
You've been listening to One by One. Here's a personal message from Pastor Robert. You may have never said yes to Jesus Christ. Do you know that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for your sin? If you're ready to say yes to the love that God showed, pray this prayer. Lord God, I admit that I've sinned against you. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin. And I commit my life to you. I ask that you come into my life, come into my heart, take control, transform me into the character of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to be the first to welcome you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you to find a church where you can learn more about Jesus, draw closer to God and to other believers. God bless you. To learn more about Quench Life Christian Fellowship, visit quenchlife.org. You can follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Also, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quenchlifecf to receive regular words of encouragement and ministry updates. Join us next time. And people get this twisted and they live there a, a good portion of their life standing on that falsehood that I'm not giving because of the preacher. I'm not giving my time. I'm not going to read my Bible because of the preacher. You're going to have to answer to God for that. Yeah, yeah. Because that doesn't change who God is and how God has demonstrated his blessings and love to you. Thank you for listening.